1: Devin Booker started it off 17 off the rip Chris Paul closed it out Amazing, amazing stat line 27 points, 14 assists 9 rebounds Welcoming every switch Welcoming every single Pick and roll defeated Coming off screen Shooting those mid-rangers God, it was a masterpiece Blows it out against the Jazz. 115-109. The Suns. Pun intended, on fire. (laughs) On fire. Uh, And they are winners of seven straight. Getting some separation out there on the Western Conference. Had a bunch of close ones. It ended up being the case, at least, on uh, on Monday night. Just the the Cavs winning a grinded-out affair against the Knicks. Pelicans playing better basketball and have one of the best five-man units uh, over the last few weeks, actually, um, beating the Pacers 117-113. And uh, the Bulls squeaking one out against the Thunder, who did not want to die, outscored by 13 in the fourth quarter. But too much Nikola Vucevic, too much Io DeSomu, who fouled out and still had 24-8-5. and 5. That was the results of Monday night. Sunday, there was a lot that went on other than, of course, what was happening over in the land of the NFL. Brian's got a funny quip for you here coming up. But, of course, this is Keeping It at 94 brought to you by the BasketballNews.com podcast network and our friends over at TicketSmarter looking to go to the hottest concerts, sports theater, and family shows near you. Get 100% guaranteed tickets to more than 125,000 live events from TicketSmarter, the official ticket marketplace of BasketballNews.com. Order online now. Brian, got got to say your quip. Your quip was really funny. I wanted you to lead with that, but I know that I always come in hot here on the pod. So uh, something, something, NFL, really good games. Obviously, Josh Allen, Pat Mahomes battling to the death at Arrowhead. And then Tom Brady trying to come back from 27 to 3, a la the Super Bowl like four years ago. Was not meant to be but two really good NFL games before we talk basketball.
0: I got done watching a great weekend of sports and all I came away with was, man, the NBA has got to do something with their overtime rules. It's just a mess. Oh, wait, that's the wrong sport. The wrong sport. It's the NFL. (laughs) Fix the damn rules. It can't be that hard. Who came up with this nonsensical rules when it comes to the NFL overtime? It's not just a playoff thing. It's a regular season thing. Oh, I won the coin toss, and if I go down the field and score a touchdown, game over? Where does that make sense? You're basing everything off a coin toss. I mean, I'm not a Bills fan. I'm not a Chiefs fan. I was just enjoying the game. That was ridiculous. It's been ridiculous for like five years or however long that they've had this rule in place. It makes no sense at all. And even just a couple years ago, the Bills request I think it was the bills requested like that the rules changed where each team at least gets one possession and they were turned down. Yeah. I'm sure other teams have done that too. It makes no sense. But regardless, it was an awesome weekend of sports and those four football games were incredible with all of them coming down to the wire. And that was it was a great football weekend and then we got some nice basketball in there as well, so Can't really complain when it came to uh, this past weekend in sports.
1: No, not at all. And flipping over to the NBA side, I had a lot of stuff that I jotted down here. Usually Brian's the one that fills up the, you know, the sheet here of things to talk about. But I threw in like 10 things just because I I was so focused on the sporting world this weekend. And of course, again, Monday night.
0: And somebody went in there and thought that it was old information and actually deleted it. Wiped only me to away. find out that it was new stuff.
1: Wiped me away like I never had any ideas at all. It's okay. Fine. I don't take it personally. Oops. But uh, yeah, I jotted some things down. Uh, and we could just hit on each of them for like, I'd say like, you know, two or three minutes for each subject, I think would be really fun. Um, firstly being, and we talked about this a little last week, but now it's been eight straight games where the Mavs, every game that the, the Mavs have played, hit the under, eight straight. What does that tell you? Good defense, right? Tells you a lot of good defense. Again, Nikaias Duncan did a breakdown of that last week on basketballnews.com. But they're really, they're they're switching. They're protecting the paint. They're securing the perimeter. A lot of that's behind, you know, Christophs Porzingis. But guys like Jalen Brunson, Dorian Finney-Smith, Maxi Klebaugh, everybody's contributing. So they're doing really good stuff there. And they actually meet up with the Warriors on Tuesday. So that should be a very fun game. See what happens in that one. But Luca starting to play like Luca, Maybe getting a little bit more of his wind under him. And smart basketball. Guy who's really, obviously, pacing things. But I wanted to shout out Jalen Brunson. Because Brunson's been playing outstanding this year. He's going to get paid for sure in the offseason. But I just love... I love the, the pace that we, he plays with, the stop and go, um, attacking the basket. It's been really fun to watch him this season. So I wanted to hit on the Mavs, and, and they're just playing well in general. But I thought that was very interesting that they've hit the under in eight straight games. And uh, that just goes to show that Mavs, to beat them, you're going to have to play a grinded-out game and outlast them, I guess, in the physical standpoint.
0: I think it's incredible the way that they've been able to change the way they've been winning games this year and kind of turn it on and doing it under a different coach because this was kind of the style you would expect kind of under Rick Carlisle. And obviously he's gone now with Jason Kidd, you know, taking over as the head coach. And you wondered if they were really going to get there between all the different things that had gone on with playing with rotations and then the injury to Luca and trying to find where everybody was uh, going to fit on both ends of the court. But they've made it work since Luka has come back, especially. And like you said, we're starting to see the Luka that we expect, you know, on offense. And this team is getting it on defense. And that's how they're winning these games, you know, just grinding it out and just uh, pulling them out at the end of games. And it's, it, it's kind of reminiscent from the standpoint of like uh, down the stretch what the Suns are doing. And that if it's a close game, you just know the Suns are going to close that game out. And now the Mavericks are finding something similar in that if it's a close game, behind their defense and Luca, they're able to close these games out.
1: They've only lost two games since uh, December thirty first, New Year's Eve. That's pretty impressive in its own, it's, it's in and of itself. But uh, as we addressed, that defense is really clamping down, and you know they just the Grizzlies. I know they understand they're they're without Desmond Bain and, and some other key pieces. Like Dylan Brooks as well, but uh, they held the, Ma- the the Grizzlies that those red hot Grizzlies to, to 91 points on on Sunday. That's that's a tough task, man. It's a tough task, and you just look at uh, teams that they've really clamped down on, and you know some of them are really good in in that streak. So good on the Mavs. Next subject, have to hit it. We hit on Nikola Jokic last week. We got to hit on Joel Embiid this week. Both of them, really, just playing at an MVP level. I don't know how many times we have to address this on the podcast. I think you can literally just manufacture and reuse the same clip that I had last year about Embiid and Jokic battling it out for the MVP. You can just copy and paste that from whatever it was last February, last March. These two are putting their teams on their backs. And I'm, I'm literally watching this Joel Embiid game the other day and he's literally he's he's playmaking now. I haven't seen him playmake the way he has over this last stretch, the way that, you know, it's almost reminiscent of Jokic, the way that he's kind of stepped up his playmaking role a little here. Uh, you know, he's had uh he's averaged let's look here. He's averaged almost 5 assists a game over his last 11 and this is in addition to the scoring he's doing. Do you see the scoring he's putting up right now? Let me
0: run through. There's like, one quick. game where
1: he scored uh, less than 31 points. And that was in a game where he had 25 and 13 in a 12-point win against the Celtics. In his last it's, 17
0: it's games, nuts. he has only scored in the 20s twice. And, if you, and this goes back to December 16th. Since then, he's gone 32, 41, 23, 36, 36, 34, 31, 31, 31, 31, 31, 25, 32, 32, 50, 40, 38. Look
1: at the shot volume this guy has. He took 32. He took 32 in San Antonio. Okay. Before that, he took 25, 23, 20, 22. He is putting this offense on his back. I hope that he can maintain this because... We know Joel Embiid's history as far as injury goes. We don't want him to see him fatigued by the time the playoffs get there. Whatever it is. And you hope that Daryl Morey's Murray, going to give him some help. And I'm sure we're going to get to that subject a little later in the pod. But the, the, the way that, I mean, again, pull-ups, getting to the free-throw line, my God.
0: He gets to the, he the free-throw line so much. I mean, double digits almost every night. And yes. the efficiency... Is crazy, We're, right? He's at a a thirty one per, which is second in the league right now, but he's just so efficient with everything.
1: Testing out of the posts, the cutters. We he's- mentioned
0: that fifty point game. Um, I know that was against the Orlando Magic, but still, like a professional NBA team. I mean, you can make that argument right now. But and he's
1: not taking that many threes either. That's the other thing. Like he's doing this all, like like a big boy man. Like he's. He's dribbling into his shots, which are mostly mid-rangers, but he's also commanding a presence inside. It's just so tough for anybody to guard him because he's so proficient with the basketball. He's not like the best ball handler, but he's got nimble footwork. He's able to really put the ball on the floor and attack without, you know, charges or whatnot. Like, he's under control when he does these things, but he's still just as powerful. It, it It's just amazing to see what he's doing.
0: Spencer, he's done in that 50-point game against the Magic. He did that in 27 minutes.
1: Well, that was the funny part because, not to interrupt you, but Mo Bamba comes out, 28 points, first half. That's the story. That's the story, right? Right, because he had, what, what
0: was it, like seven three-pointers or something ridiculous, Yeah, he you was know? seven of
1: eight. He was seven
0: of eight. It, crazy, and then like two nights before this, while the Sixers lost to the Wizards, he but he scored 32 points in 29 minutes. And he's done this a bunch of different times. Like he uh, put up uh, 31 points in 26 minutes a couple weeks ago against the Rockets. So, you know, he's controlling his minutes. I mean, there are some nights where he's playing 37, 35 minutes. He's played 40, you know, a couple of times. But for the most part, he's like low 30s. And he's still putting up, you know, 30, 31, 32 points, 40 points. It's it's incredible.
1: And that's the thing. Excuse me. And that's the thing. You have another player in the Western Conference basically doing the same thing, albeit a little more different stylistically. And maybe not as successful in the wins-losses column at the moment. But you look at the reigning Western Conference Player of the Week and you kind of draw comparisons to both of them because they're so needed on the offensive end. Again, in different ways. Because Jokic isn't quite as aggressive as a shot taker as Joel Embiid is. But he's more needed as a playmaker. He's more needed on the glass. Uh, it's, It's impacting the teams two different ways. But in the same, okay, we need you to carry us until blank is healthy or until blank gets a move made. That's how I'm seeing these two kind of handle these situations. Because now you look at Jokic on the same night that you had, Embiid had 50 and 12 in a win, Jokic had 49, 14, and 10 in in a win. In which I don't know if you saw that pass. He's getting double teamed over there. In the, in the corner by the baseline, not the corner, maybe towards the elbow, but by the bench. And he just flings this perfect pass over to Aaron Gordon, who canned the game winner. Credit to Aaron
0: Gordon for canning the game winner. But my God. It's amazing that in this day and age, we talk about the de-emphasis on the big man in the NBA. But yet we have two different big men who are dominating and in different ways. In and they that,
1: should be in the lead for the MVP. I'm sorry. They they should be in the lead. One of those two is the MVP right now in my eyes.
0: Yeah, because, I mean, Embiid is doing it more as a traditional big man, even though he does shoot some from three-point range. But it's more traditional, low post, get to the free throw line kind of thing. Meanwhile, Jokic is a guy that, you know, he's doing it from the elbow. He's creating the offense for the entire team. Plus, he's scoring inside and outside. I mean, he's just a freak of nature from that standpoint. So, But, yeah, I mean, how many times do we have to sit here and talk about how wide open the MVP race is? And I know we're still at the midway point of the season, and people are going to talk about, you know, Steph, and rightfully so, and, and Giannis, and rightfully so, but, you know, and Durant before he went down. But you've got these two big men that are dominating the game as well, and with, you know, the Warriors stepping back just a little bit. They're cooling off and we see these guys put up the numbers. They are, especially in b lately. I mean, they've got to be right there at the top of the conversation. Now, when it comes to MVP,
1: absolutely. And I, I again, I just, I I don't see how they can't be at least in the top three for that conversation. Like I, it's just, it, my,
0: my right now, they, maybe. I think they would have to be, I mean, and we'll, we'll see. I mean, there's still ways to go, but if you feel pretty good about like who, are going to be in the top five. It's just what do they, what does the person do that. from here? Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. No, that's, that's true. That's true. So the Hawks are playing some ball. This is interesting because this is amidst all of the trade rumors, dissatisfaction from John Collins. Uh, you know, like we mentioned a few weeks back when Travis Schlank went on the radio and pretty much, uh, you know, figuratively cussed them out. Um, they traded away Cam Reddish, you know, all this stuff. But now they've kind of banded together. They've won four in a row, beaten some quality teams along the way, including the the Hornets. They just blew out on Sunday. Before that, they beat the Heat. And then they beat the Bucks before that. And Minnesota's not, like, an easy customer. So this is a, a legitimate four-game winning streak, which leads to the other player of the week, which is Trey Young, who has gone bonkers (laughs) uh, as of late. So, good on Trey, and good on the the Hawks for keeping afloat here, and and staying in this very, very tight Eastern Conference uh, standings, but Trey, not only just making it happen with, with his shots, but also getting his teammates involved. I think it's been big, too, for DeAndre Hunter to be back. We've We've talked about how important he is to this team. Um, we've mentioned Big O, you know, Onyeko Kongwu. We've mentioned him before, and, and he's really stepped up in a matter of a, a very short amount of time um, in spelling Clint Capella whenever he hasn't been able to play uh, but but really, I think getting hunter back has been huge for them. I think Gallo off the bench has been huge um and he's a big part of this team Um, as a veteran on and off the floor, of course. Uh, But I I really think that, uh, you know, them digging out of this a little bit is, is good for them. And it could serve as a a turnaround for their season. You never know. Um, And, you know, all the dissension and all the disappointment or whatever, that players voice that comes as a product of losing. So, you start winning games, you're going to hear less and less of that. You know what I'm saying?
0: Oh, absolutely. And you know, while they're, you know, trying to find out a fight out of this malaise that they've been in there, like you said, there's still been some kind of, um, chirping behind the scenes with some of the players and playing time and rotations and different things like that. And we'll see what kind of move they're going to make because John Collins has been vocal about that. You know, Danilo Gallinari has apparently been pretty vocal about that. And, the Hawks are a team that's been primed for a trade because of uh, just how many players want playing time and probably deserve playing time. And we'll see what kind of move they can make. But, you know, for now, slowly but surely trying to get out of this. And, you know, a lot of that's due to Trey Young. I mean, heck, even when they were struggling, they, they could have been in a lot worse shape, if they didn't have Trey. He's been such an incredible player for them so far this season. Without him. um I can only imagine the depths they could have fallen to.
1: Yeah, unsung heroes too, like Delon Wright and and Kevin Herter. Herter's you know been on a double digit streak here for a little minute now. Um, you know, starting to round back into form. Uh, I even think a guy like uh, Lou Williams uh, has been pretty big for them. Uh, again, you need those veterans to kind of keep you keep you together in these t- types of times. Um, but he's come in and given them a boost in in short minutes too. He's only he's not even playing. 15 minutes a game over his last five, but he's been an impact in in each of these games. So these are important parts of of your teams, uh, especially when they're trying to kind of dig it out a little bit here. And, you know, with New York floundering a little bit, with the the Wizards floundering a little bit, uh, Atlanta can find itself right back into that play-in tournament conversation and possibly playoff spot. You never know. Okay. Kyrie is what I have next. Kyrie, Kyrie Irving. Because we didn't really talk about him too much last week. Um, I know the, the sample size was small, but now that it, we've gotten a little bit more of, of uh, Mr. Irving here, uh, about seven games in, he looks good. He looks really good. The problem is you can't have him for home games. That's the problem. They're, that's your biggest problem. I don't think you have to worry one bit about this dude, though, on the floor. I don't uh he looks phenomenal, um you know shifty as ever, uh involving teammates using that beautiful English off the glass when he gets inside the 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 pull up mid range is beautiful it 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 just looks like it all works for him, and he looks refreshed he looks really solid, I know that again the nets aren't playing, you know, up to par right now, but I mean, it's kind of tough when you don't have Kevin Durant around.
0: Um, well, the good thing know. for them when it comes to having Kyrie around, and like you said, you obviously can't play at home, but, you know, they've got two home games coming up here and then they hit the road for seven out of their next eight. So you'll get a bigger sample size of Kyrie Irving out there working with James Harden and, and obviously with, with Durant not there, they need the help that they can get you know, we're not even sure when they're going to get somebody like a Joe Harris back. And, you know, they, they need some star power there. So, you know, Kyrie will at least be back on the court for a bigger chunk of games coming up here.
1: Yeah. And, and that's going to be needed, especially because, you know, the, the load's going to be on Harden here. And, you know, we're already seeing the rumors around uh, that came out on on Monday and Tuesday about James Harden you know, already possibly saying that he might not want to stick around Brooklyn. He's obviously a free agent come this summer. All that, you know, hoopla and whatnot going on. Uh, they did say that he is focused on getting a championship in Brooklyn and doing all this stuff.
0: But- Everybody always says, that I'm focused on winning a championship. I'm here Well, right he now.
1: didn't say these things. Sources close I know, to the I know. situation. That's very important to outline, especially when we have aggregate accounts out here that don't know how to do things
0: responsibly. So Wait, are you saying that there's actually websites that try to get clicks off of misleading headlines?
1: Another conversation for another day, Brian, another conversation for another day, but it is, uh, now being speculated that that Harden will keep his options open for the offseason. but for now he is focused. He is on this team with Kyrie Irving and they are going to try and salvage what they can while their big three partner and Kevin Durant is sidelined.
0: Do you want so, to talk more about the Harden thing now, or do you want to hold it for later?
1: Uh, we'll hold it for later. Okay. I still got other things I want to get to. Yep. <laughs> but I, I wanted to shout out Kyrie though, because I'm watching some of these games and he's just, he's wizard like man. He's just the way he handles the ball and just kind of skirts around people and makes people look silly, really. <laughs> um, and, and, and gets into between these crevices is just its otherworldly, man. And, As a player, I love watching Kyrie Irving. Kyrie Irving is one of my favorite individual players to watch, and I don't like one-on-one basketball all that much because I'm more of a traditionalist. I like moving the basketball. I like seeing guys with 15 points and 12 points, but the assist numbers are up. It's a team game. That said, Kyrie Irving is probably the best one-on-one player that I've watched other than... A Kobe and MJ one on one, just one on one dribble skills. If, if you hate me for not saying LeBron, don't kill me because I think LeBron's a good ISO player, but I also think he's naturally somebody that gets other other people involved. Kyrie just, there's something, he, he puts the ball on a string, man.
0: Well, Kyrie's arguably one of the greatest ball handlers the NBA's ever seen. And when it comes to because of that, that, that handle, he's also one of the best shot creators that we've ever seen. Yeah, no question.
1: And it's the, again, the up and under, the, the way he can spin the ball off the glass, the, the spin he puts on the ball in general, on some of the passes, on some of the, the shots that he takes, uh, the angles, the knowledge of all that is just it's otherworldly. Again, incredible. Young up-and-comers. I did watch the Rockets on this latest road trip a lot. I'm loving what I'm seeing from Kevin Porter, Jr. and, and I and legitimately, um, you know, figuring out all of this, you know, the 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 blow up in the middle the, or the early part of the season that he had with with the coaching staff and leaving the game. we know that, you know he's had his his struggles um, in, in staying on the floor and attitude problems and whatnot. But this time around, he's taken responsibility. He took the suspension. You know, he's listened to his coaches. John Lucas, again, is so huge for that kid. So huge for that kid. So now you're seeing the patience and the development off the floor come on the floor. And if you watch this latest road trip with Kevin Porter, you saw a lot of his decision-making coming into play. And he's looked really good and really smart in... The, the passes he throws, avoiding turning the ball over. Um, deciding the, the in-between game. Um, taking good shots. Getting his teammates involved. Dealing the ball. Playing great defense, by the way. My God. Couldn't have played better defense on, on Steph when he hit that game winner. Sorry. But I- I've enjoyed watching the development of Kevin Porter Jr. I think he's been really fun to watch.
0: And I'll be interested in seeing what the Rockets are going to be doing coming up here because, you know, they know this is a rebuilding year. They're working on their younger guys, but they've got some guys that are going to be in demand coming up here. And, you know, do the Rockets sit there and say, unless you really bowl us over, we're just going to, we're going to keep our guys. We're just going to play this season out. And if they're going to make any kind of major roster changes, would they prefer to do that in the off season than what they're doing right now?
1: Yeah, that's a good question, because, I mean, you, you look at their roster, Eric Gordon's in high demand. Uh, you got guys like, you know, Daniel Tice, DJ Augustine, that I'm sure they would be open to moving. Same with maybe David Nwaba, because they're going to want to get time for Jacob, Josh Christopher, uh, K.J. Martin. They, they want time for these young guys. Christian Wood is obviously the highest commodity on their team, but they're, they're going to ask a lot for him. And I don't know if he necessarily gets moved at the deadline. We'll see. Um,
0: there were some rumors light. about the Heat pursuing him, but I don't know if they would have enough and how interested the Rockets are really in, in getting off of him.
1: No, 100%. 100%. But more or less, I, I just wanted to talk Rock, uh, Rockets because of KPJ. And don't forget, if he's on the left wing and he's fading away from three for a win, you're going to lose. Just saying. You're going to lose. And, and also, secondly, side note on the Rockets. Um, Garrison Matthews and Armani Brooks, when they get in and they just start firing off threes, it's really fun to watch. It's really fun. Um, because they are just so confident in their jumpers. And uh, long been an Ar- Armani Brooks fan. Garrison Matthews, I know he's uh, hot and cold, hot and cold. But that jumper is, is really, it's something. It's something. If, you, if he catches that ball, it's going up. <laughs> Just be sure you know it's going up. Okay, uh, let's go over to... Actually, this is a good transition. How about our friends? How about our friends over at PrizePix, huh? All users that deposit and use the promo code NEWS on prizepicks.com will receive a 100% instant deposit matched up to
0: 100 smackaroos. And That's dollars. That's for, dollars. For the first time... We can happily say that Spencer is a winner from last week on prize picks. Yeah. Spencer hit. Yeah. You, you hit with your trifecta last week on our picks. Now, I did not. However, I did hit over the weekend on a four-pick power play in the NFL. Maybe I should just pick NFL games. So we're both winners. This week on price picks.
1: Was that a power play or did you do? Oh, uh, it was power play. Get this. If you do
0: a three pick power play. So for anybody that does these power play, you have to hit all of them to win. And if you do a three pick, then you win five times the amount wagered. I did a four pick power play. And when you do four, you get 10 times the amount you wager. Okay. 10.
1: So that means that we were big winners. We were big winners last week. We're on a winning streak, Brian. We're on a winning streak. You're
0: dang right. I was trying
1: to do my latest, uh, my, my Kramer impression there. Winning streak, Brian. We're on a winning streak. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's lay it on him. Let's lay it on him. What's our picks for Tuesday night's slate of action?
0: Sure. Uh, I'll start with mine. So we're both doing three pick power plays. So mine are, um, I have the red hot Joel and bead. And I know they're playing the Pelicans, and I know this is a big number. I don't care. I am taking over 31 and a half points. I believe in the big man. He's on such a roll right now. Pelicans
1: um, also on a, on a back-to-back. Yep. So maybe not a bad idea.
0: I am going with my kryptonite, but I don't care because I still like him. My man, Kuz, Cal Kuzma. I am taking the over 26 and a half on points, rebounds, and assists combined. I think he can hit that. And, and I know we're going to get into this, the return of Anthony Davis for the Lakers tonight in Brooklyn. His uh, over-under on points is 19 and a half, and I am taking the under on that.
1: Oh, look at that. The Lakers fan does not believe in AD, or he's just thinking there's going to be a minute restriction or something.
0: It's his first game back.
1: <laughs> it's true. It is his first game back. You never no, I, Who knows? Who knows? We'll see. Uh, off the top of my head, I know who I picked. I just do not remember the numbers. So give me a hand here. Sure. I know I am rolling with the red hot Reggie Jackson because the Clippers they are scrapping away. It's you know they're they're playing 500 ball this year, but they're doing it with guys who don't want to lose. Uh, and it's it's really funny because they're they're battling. They honestly should have won at Denver. Uh, probably should have won that game at New York. They did win in Philly uh, because Reggie Jackson was was doing some really solid things. And they, they, they've they got these veterans, man. Batum has been playing really well lately. Marcus Morris, we, we know that he's always a good second or third option. Uh, but it's veteran-laden team that is just not laying down. It, and they could care less about draft position or where they are, um, you know, come the offseason. They care about right now, and that's why they're playing really hard. So that is why I took Reggie Jackson. I know his number was probably rather large, but I'm feeling really good about Reggie because in three out of his last four games, he scored over 26 points. Um, he's getting other guys involved. Over the last four games, in fact, he's averaging 25 points and seven assists on 53% from the field. He's not shooting the three all that well, but he is getting inside and um, it, it's really working out for him. And he's been heavily dependent on. So I'm going to continue that. And stay on Mr. Reggie Jackson for the number of points, rebounds, and assists, which is
0: 24 and a
1: half. Give me Reggie. Next. And actually, this was a point on the sheet, so it's a perfect segue. The Wolves are scrapping as well, but they're a little younger and they're a little bit, uh, you know, more uh, incentivized uh, to win a lot more here right now. Uh, but part of the reason that they have been other than, of course, Mr. Anthony Edwards and Carl Anthony Towns, D'Angelo Russell. D'Angelo Russell starting to play some good ball again. Over his last eight games, actually, uh, since he's come back, not eight games, apologize, because the first game did not go well. But, yes, over the last eight games, not since he came back from COVID, my apologies, uh, he is scorching, scorching from beyond the arc about 45%. 21 points a game, 8.6 assists a game. He is really feeling it for them. And, uh, you know, in the starting lineup, again, with Cat and Anthony Edwards, it's, it's working, working for him well. And, uh, you know, this is a team that's scoring a lot of points. Might not be able to, to defend quite as well, but they're scoring a lot of points. So, give me D'Angelo whatever that number is
0: 30.5 on the points, rebounds and assists combined.
1: Lock me in for D baby. Go bucks. Meaning Buckeyes, not bucks. People don't know that.
0: <laughs> and your number three, the one that's going to trip you up. Do
1: you think this is going to trip me up? You think this is going to trick me up? I now, did pick this for no reason. I don't know why it's just a hunch. I, I'm not exactly sure. um, Maybe I just believe in the Kings because you know the Celtics, Jason Tatum coming off of a 51 point effort, um and and a uh, you know a, a morale win should say, um the other day. So I don't know. I just don't think I don't see a lot of playing time because the Kings like to get up and down, right? They're faster. Maybe we see a little bit more of a small ball lineup for the Celtics, or we see more Robert Williams. Those are just a couple of thoughts I have. But I'm taking the under on Al Horford. 20 and a half points, points, rebounds, and assists. So I'm taking the under on Al Horford, and uh, I just don't think he's going to have a, a, a particularly good stat night. That's, that's, that's all it is. No. You know.
0: You don't have to explain yourself. You have a hunch. You, you feel it. I know you're sitting going, I'm not sure why I did it. You're wishy-washy about it. I mean, we, we, we all have our hunches. We all have our feelings. We can look at all the stats, but at the same time, there's a human element that's involved. So,
1: Actually, it, if you want, a, if you want a, a joking answer, could say because Tristan Thompson's on the other bench
0: mm. and uh,
1: Mr. Horford knows Tristan Thompson from all those Eastern Conference playoff battles. That's true. Hint. They did not go Mr. Horford's way at all. No. But Tristan doesn't see time anymore, so it doesn't really matter. But those are our picks. Prizepicks.com. Once again, all users that deposit and use the promo code NEWS will receive a 100% instant deposit matched up to $100. Make sure you go visit prizepicks.com. All right, you mentioned earlier that the Warriors are kind of human right now. Part of that reason is because, gasp, Stephen Curry's in a shooting slump. What's going on, Brian? Is it because, you know, early in the season, he ends up breaking this record of Ray Allen's and now there's things going on? Or is it just, hey, it happens even to the best of us because a lot of these three-point numbers, they, they are, they're, they're, they're not pretty. They are they not are pretty not. at
0: all. I mean, you look at Steph and the way he's been up and down shooting, he's definitely been down as of late. People talk about him being an MVP candidate, and he should be, because the Warriors have played really, really well overall this season. That being said, this is not one of his best seasons. He's having a good year, but you know he's putting up 26 points a game. But you look at that shooting numbers. His field goal percentage is 41.6%. His three-point shooting is just below 38%. Like you said, he's definitely had some games that have not been good, you know, from the three-point line to say the least, um, including on Sunday, he had a one of 13 against the Jazz, four for 13. In the previous game against the Rockets, a six of 16. That one's better, obviously. That one's a lot better, but like, that, that's high volume and not making a lot of them. Um, they,
1: they, they were listing his three-point attempts and makes as uh, people on Twitter were calling them tour dates. They
0: look like tour dates. Yes, <laughs> more or less, they are. Um, but, you know, he, he's been so erratic right now, and the team has kind of been up and down, and a lot of it, I think, is not only they obviously trying to integrate, you know, Clay Thompson back into the lineup, but Draymond Green's out. And that's a huge question mark because, I mean, he is... Very good point, Brian. He not only is the heart and soul of this team, but he is the glue of the team on both ends of the court. Their defense has definitely struggled because he is not there. He is their anchor. He's the guy that makes up for a lot of mistakes. And on offense, he's the guy that gets the ball moving around. He's setting picks. He's doing a lot of the dirty work. He is not there. He's already missed a couple of weeks. And with this injury he has, and we're not even quite certain exactly what it is. I mean, he's got you a know, problem with his lower leg and they believe there's like an issue in his back. And there there's a lot of questions about this, especially when it comes to how long he's going to be out, because there is no timetable and it does not sound good. I'm not saying it's a season ending injury, but when you can't put a timetable on something and you start talking about like nerves and your back, you really start getting nervous about it. And you know, for the Warriors, it's all about getting to the playoffs and being healthy come the playoffs. But right now, they're not exactly sure when they're going to get Draymond back, and they've got to fight through this time without him.
1: Yeah. yeah, And that's guys like Jordan Poole. That's guys like Andrew Wiggins, who by the way, is like third on all-star voting at the moment. <laughs> um, so uh, you can take his hometown for that one, but also, you know, he is playing really well this season. So I'm Not going to, you know, poo-poo on that. But um. No, yeah, they're de- definitely going to need other guys to step up. You know, Gary Payton's another guy um, who's able to step up to the plate like that. I think that Kevon Looney's been playing better. I know he's not offensively inclined, but just uh, on the defensive end and, and grabbing rebounds, um, really making it tough on opposing centers. So they have the plenty of guys. And, you know, even with this little, I don't know, down skid, you could call it, I don't know. They're 34 and 13 and they're second in the
0: West. I mean, they're so, still second in the West. I mean, they, not, they had, they've had such an incredible first half. It's not like, yeah. Oh my God, they're going to slip a couple of seeds or anything like that. And so it's just, they're just not being the warriors that we're used to
1: seeing. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And you watch, they're just going to end up blowing back up again. Once Draymond comes back, hopefully, which will be somewhat soon, but they are getting a good look at their young guys. Like, Jonathan Kaminga, I've really enjoyed watching play when he's gotten the opportunity. Um, talk about an explosive athlete and somebody who can really take command of of a fast break and uh, <laughs> make some noise. Uh, it's that kid. So, I mean, they'll definitely keep an eye on him even though he doesn't get consistent playing time at the moment. Um, just an example of somebody I like, you know, Juan Toscano Anderson, he's always been asked to help in pinches and, is always stepped up. So I, I'm not worried one bit about the, the Warriors. This is just a little a little thing. You know, it's not anything you know drastic that we're talking
0: about here. Well, I mean, obviously, if you get Draymond back and he's healthy, then that fixes just about every problem other than Steph shooting. And I would bet on Steph regaining his shooting touch, especially Draymond back, than I would for him to struggle constantly. Yep. Um,
1: Wizards and uh, Raptors—they're both kind of on the down trail now. Even though I was talking, it was very recent on the podcast. We were talking about how much they were finding it again. All of a sudden, you know, a little losing streak or a little you know bad stretch comes, and you're right back there, uh, close to the to the to the bottom. So, kind of dissect what's going on here. You know, Toronto's back at 500, and Washington's a game under 500. You look at Washington, you see that. You know, Beale's playing well, but I'm, I'm looking at on Washington specifically. I, I'm seeing Spencer Dinwiddie and not playing up to par with what they wanted to see from him, uh, which is kind of sad because, you know, pre-injury, you know, you look at Dinwiddie and what he was able to do. And he was huge in Brooklyn. Um, he just hasn't seemed to have that this year. Maybe it's bad fit with Beal. Who knows? But, I mean, he's coming off of an absolutely dreadful performance. Um, He's not been able to, I guess, mesh in that offense. Um, And uh, it's also affected the team on the defensive end, which uh, they're starting to fall. Remember how good they were defensively in that first month or so? They're now down to the bottom 10 at the moment uh, and and giving up points quickly, uh, which is... Something you don't want to see, um, but they have the personnel to make it work. They're 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 just they're just in a little slippage right now.
0: Well, the Wizards, I think, if you look at that team and where they're at right now, they are prime to make a move here at the trade deadline. And there's a lot of question marks around them because you mentioned, you know, Spencer Dinwiddie. His fit with Bradley Beal is that working out? Would they want to move off of him? And how attractive of a piece could he be around the league? And when it comes to Beal. You know, there was news this past week. It says he is not interested in signing an extension, um, and he's interested in getting the free agency. Now, mind you, that does not mean he's leaving the Wizards. It just the world means, goes
1: round and round. It's it's January in Washington D.C., and what are we hearing?
0: Yeah, but but <laughs> I mean, if you're the Wizards, do you sit there and say, "I understand that he wants to become a free agent. We believe we can make this obviously a strong offer for him to stay and." we know how loyal he is to the DC area and how much he enjoys that with his family and, and just his comfort level. But who knows what happens when you get to free agency, maybe he wants to move on. And does that make the team a little bit nervous right now? And would they say, Hey, I don't want to lose him for nothing in the off season. You know, maybe we need to make a move with him right now, which is something that obviously they've been very hesitant to do uh, thus far. But to me, the only way that they would make a trade with him is if Beale really gives them vibes that he's entertaining leaving the team come the offseason. And, but I mean, that, that would be, that would be quite the name um, that would be available here. But I mean, the Wizards, with the way that they have fallen, you know, over the last month, especially, I think they're primed to, to shake things up when it comes to their roster and make a move here.
1: And, and they're a little bit heavy there in the, the front court. I will say it is good to see Rui Achimura back uh, after all the, you know, the stuff he was going through after the, uh, the, the, Olympics and all that. Um, you know, he's come back and, uh, you know, been able to, to re reintegrate himself into this team and is playing some decent ball, um, getting, you know, some minutes here and there. So uh, isn't that funny though, see- that any,
0: like the rumors that have been about the wizards. A lot of people say that they're, they might be the favorites to get a Jeremy grant. I'm like, that's another front court guy, though.
1: I mean, the, the salary pretty much matches what Davis Bertans makes. Well, I don't think they're gonna do it for move.
0: Bertans.
1: Well, you never know what the Pistons. If they if you see draft compensation, they might be like, ooh.
0: <laughs> right. But <laughs> you know? I, yeah, I'm not exactly sure what I mean. Bert, I mean, if the Wizards can get off of Bertans, God bless them. <laughs>
1: I mean, yeah. Yeah.
0: That would be an Agreed. incredible feat.
1: Yeah. I think I mentioned that, too, um, in the, the Worst Contracts um, conversation before the season started. So, so you're I'll, saying I'll there's a chance because it's the Pistons. Little, exactly, exactly. I would, I, I would not be surprised. Uh, but they uh, did come out with the reports, uh, James Edwards of The Athletic, talking about how Jeremy Grant, uh, while suited by a lot of teams, um, Again, wants that go-to slash primary role, which you're not going to find that on many contenders and lists he wants to be on. So there's a very good chance that the Pistons hang on to him.
0: Right. And I'm I'm sitting here thinking like where, where are you going to be a primary option? Like the Hawks have talked about him. Okay. Is he going to be the number one guy there? No. Is he going to be the number two? Uh, I don't know about that. Um, is Utah a fit for him? He's not gonna be the number one or the number two probably there either. Um, you know, Sacramento has been talked about with him. He's not gonna be the number one guy there. Like, I mean, Jeremy Grant is a very good player, but he's a guy that you want to probably be the third best guy on your team if you're going for a championship.
1: Yeah. And that, that's probably- what he was
0: with the Nuggets. He was a great fit there, but <laughs> He just didn't like the way he was used on the offense. He doesn't Rolls, want to be... It, against- roles are
1: so important. Yeah. Roles are so important. And people think that that's a, you know, a uh, a disservice or a, you know, uh, a diss to, to a player when you say, oh, he can be the blank third player, best player on whatever team. But roles are so important, man. They're so important. And it's not, you know... uh trying to take away from what those players' abilities are. There's just some people that are able to mesh well, to be in good chemistry with players that are more likely to be aggressive.
0: But I get it with Jeremy from the standpoint, like with the Nuggets, he was a guy depended on to play lockdown defense on multiple positions. And on offense, he was more of get in the corner and shoot, kind of a guy. And I get that, that he doesn't want to be that limited on offense, but at the same time to ask him to be, you know, one of the, you know, top two guys, you know, carrying an offense for a championship team. I'm, I don't know if that's a championship team. If you're relying on him that much for offense, it doesn't mean he's not a good offensive player. It's just that he doesn't have the abilities
1: to do that, but yeah. Right. I just don't think
0: that's the best utilization of his talent. And building a championship team. And that, you know, that, like you said, that's going to limit, you know, places that he might go because then he's not going to resign with him. He's going to be do a big contract. I mean, there's already been some talk like, I don't think the Lakers have an attractive enough package to get him, but like, he doesn't want to go to LA because he'd be behind, you know, LeBron. He'd be behind AD. He'd probably be behind Russ as well. Yeah. Uh,
1: That'd be a tough fit.
0: Very dirty, <laughs> really I think, I mean, that does, that does not seem like a good fit. And I, and I, I mean, I'm not saying he'd have a bad attitude about it if he went to a team where he was going to be asked to like curtail his offense, but you know, you know, he's not going to be happy about it. I'm sure he could be a professional and get through it, but if he's not going to be happy about it, like
1: when you have LeBron I mean, James and Anthony Davis on the team yeah. or not, or
0: any team, like do you, how yeah. much do you want to go out of your way to get a Jeremy Grant? If he's not going to be happy,
1: very good, solid points there. Bulls' bad luck is catching up, though they did win a squeaker in OKC on Tuesday, as I mentioned. Um, finally catching up to them. So you wanted to get into this, I, it, you know, it, there's, I don't know really how much we could talk about it, but the Grayson Allen suspension leading to Alex Caruso being out six to eight weeks with a broken wrist. Uh, we also know that uh, you know they've had you know injury problems with Levine, but luckily Levine played. Um, in OKC, so he's back, so they'll have Levine, and they'll have Vucevic, and they'll have DeRozan, so it's not like killer-killer, but Lonzo and Caruso are still out. Um, you know, they're going to have to depend on Io Desonmu who, again, had a really, really good game at OKC, career-high 24 points. But uh, their luck's catching up to them a little bit. They're sliding a little, down to all the way down to second place. I kid, I kid, but um, you know, twenty twenty nine and 17. Um, I, I think they're going to be okay, but Caruso's huge and Lonzo's huge, especially on the defensive end. That's all it is.
0: Um, yeah, it is. I mean, those are the two guys that they depend on, especially in tight games down the stretch to, you know, lock down other teams backcourt and they're going to be without these guys for up to the next two months. And that's going to be really, really tough. And we'll see how they can make up for that, you know, and, and just on the point when it comes to, you know, grace now, the, the point that I think the NBA has to deal with, and there's so many different factors that go into a suspension because it's not just the one incident, the NBA can factor in somebody's track record and grace Nallen has quite the track record when it comes Dating to, back
1: to Cameron indoor.
0: Yes. You know, back to his college days. And I mean, I'm not saying they're going to go back to college, but like he's got a bit of a rep already in the pros as well. And people have an eye on him. And then you see something like this where obviously he was going for the ball while Cruz was in the air, but it was the secondary act where he swung around and swung down. And that was probably why Caruso fell as hard as he did and broke his wrist and everything that went into that. And, you know, he only gets a one game suspension. Meanwhile, the guy that he injured is going to be out for two months. And I'm not saying like, well, he needs to be out just as long. Of course not. But I think there needs to be more of a suspension for this, especially with somebody like, like Grayson with the rep that he does have. And I do wonder, you know, cause it's been a while since he's had an instinct, quite honestly. And I, I wonder what this is going to be like around the league. And it's not like all these other people are stepping up for Alex Caruso. But there's going to be other people that they're going to have their head on tilt, you know, when it comes to being around Grayson. And, you know, what are they going to do around him? What are they watching for? And especially the next time that the Bucks play the Bulls. I mean, who knows if somebody's going to go after him a little bit? And I'm, I'm not justifying that. I'm just saying there's there's a human element to this. And it doesn't mean somebody's going to intentionally try to hurt him, but there could be you know, somebody giving him a hard elbow into the ribs and to the back, different things like that going, we're coming at you.
1: Oh, yeah. No, you're definitely going to see re- retaliation there. There's no question about it. But that. I mean, for him
0: to only get a game suspension considering things that have happened in the past, I was really surprised. I thought he was going to get three, four games. And it was, it was pretty light. And I, I don't think that's a great sign for the league. Like, if he, if he didn't have the track record, then I can understand the one game and, and people wouldn't be putting this instant under the microscope that they are, but because it's him. Yeah. I think he, he deserved more.
1: Yeah. One game, one game, one game's a little, or or a, a little, 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 bit little bit light. Yeah. A little, little. Okay. Uh, lots of other subjects here. Don't know if we're gonna all these, but uh, let's see.
0: You got to hit on Anthony Bucks. Davis is coming back for the Lakers in Brooklyn.
1: Oh, yeah, of course. I was going to make one more note on the Bucks, by the way.
0: Oh, go uh, for it.
1: Just since we were talking about Grace now and just his team, uh, Bucks are 18-3 and three with Giannis, Middleton, and Holiday on the floor. So, saying there, too, like, yeah, they're going through the motions, but, you know, they're, they're not really putting their full strength.
0: I mean, we're in the middle of a long NBA season. The Bucs are mm-hmm. the defending NBA champs. I think they feel confident that they're going to be there when the time is right. They've turned it on when they've needed to turn it on. And this is what you see. I mean, look at the Jazz right now. They're in a bit of a malaise. They've, they've dropped 8 of 10. Um,
1: they weren't playing defense, and then they finally played defense at Phoenix with two of their best players out, which was Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert. And uh, Quinn Snyder actually challenged his team a little bit. He's like, all right, if we could do it with this team, then we should be having this kind of ed- in- intensity and effort every night.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, it, it's just we're at that midway point of a long NBA season. And there's going to be some times two, that two, are three
1: like... three weeks away from the All-Star
0: break. Yeah. You know, you know like, that. are you really as dialed in as you should be? You know, and, and, and especially for veteran teams that are going to, you know, lean back a little bit.
1: Yes. Shout out to the Heat, by the way. Top of the conference, like you were saying. Bam Adebayo's back. Jimmy Butler's still back, even though it feels like Jimmy has these weird seasons. Like, like ever since the, the bubble, I feel like Jimmy hasn't been able to play like two games in a row, like, with consistency, or like not having an injury. Like, he's he's just had these like, choppy, like, sets. But he's still playing really well. It's just, it's just it, it mind boggles me a little bit. Um, one, it's, it's a stroke of bad luck on his part. Um, but also, two, um, you know, staying on the floor. <laughs> staying <laughs> on the floor is, is big time. But the Heat haven't had him for pretty much half the season, and yet it doesn't matter. Because Spo was just coaching these guys up. Dollar Hero stepping up. All the others are stepping up. Again, Bam's back. Happy to see Bam back because I love watching Bam play basketball. He's so smart. Uh, just as a as an improved, um, aggressive scorer. Um, obviously crashes the glass. Dribble handoffs with Duncan Robinson, Max Struz, the like. Just good to see Bam back. But shout out to the Heat, man. Again, they've, Stayed afloat, and not only just stayed afloat, they are on the top of the conference. Um, and they haven't yeah, even had
0: Cal relate
1: Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. That the biggest signing they had this offseason. What happened? Oh, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter who's on the floor for them.
0: <laughs> not right now. And it, it. Hey, give all the credit to the coaching staff and for the guys that that are out there. You know, like um, they've had to find ways to piece together you know, wins, and that's what they've done. And, you know, hopefully they can get healthier here. But, I mean, they do have Jimmy and Bam back, like you said. And once they get Lowry back, they'll basically be at full strength. And they're, they're gearing up for a big run here. And they've kind of slowly but surely done it without even being 100% healthy. And, yep. you know, th- this is kind of what we expected, you know, by, uh, by the heat, and then they're turning it on. I know this is the
1: smorgasbordiest podcast of all time today, but I'm just looking at the standings, and one through seven is separated by four games in the East. Yes. We didn't talk about the Hornets. The Hornets are playing better defense. Um, Ethan uh, Fuller actually had a really good breakdown of what their defense is doing. He said it's actually not smart. They're gambling a little bit, but it's paying off um, on teams not making shots. Cleveland. Uh, for what it's worth, they they did just lose uh, Lowry uh to an ankle injury, and he'll be out indefinitely. But they're still playing big time defense. Dean Wade stepped in like he never left the the starting lineup uh, against the Knicks last night, and and the team looked fine. Um, offensively, they're in a little bit of a rut. They're in a little bit of a rut, just the last couple games. Seems like Darius Garland's at a little bit too much on his plate, which makes sense. You know, you don't have Ricky Rubio around. You don't have Colin Sexton around. Uh, You brought in Rondo to do these things and help for you in this situation, but they gotta probably go out and get somebody else to just take the load off of of Garland as far as offensive responsibility goes. Um, The good news is you've seen a more aggressive Evan Mobley, who looks just absolutely fantastic. um, Putting the ball on the floor, using his upper body and Getting into uh, you know these hook shot situations, taking mid rangers reading the defenses really, um, and and Garland is still keeping the production up. Don't get me wrong, uh, but they're winning these games with defense right now, um, and their offense can use a little bit of a jolt. Um, that came in the form of Kevin Love, by the way, against the Knicks. But I digress. Um, so yeah, that's the the Eastern Conference hierarchy at the moment. <laughs> uh, I know it's a lot, it's a lot, but it's just you look at the difference between how close that is in the East and, and, the West, the, the amount of games that are separated between those teams, that's pretty incredible. Do you see these standings, man?
0: Yeah, it's, it is nuts. Like how close everything is. And
1: like the it, difference between one and two in the West is almost the same exact difference between one and seven in the East.
0: Yes. And, <laughs> and it's, it's just incredible to sit there and go, You know, the top of the West, obviously, is still really good. I mean, we've talked about how the East is a better conference overall this year, but the Suns are starting to create some separation on top of the West. Meanwhile, in the East, you know, the top four teams are separated by one game. The top seven teams are separated by four. Meanwhile, the Suns, you know, sit atop the West with three and a half game lead. And then the Grizzlies are six and a half back. So there's, there's a big separation there. Somehow
1: the Suns and Lakers are separated by 14 and a half games, but the Lakers are still in the play-in tournament.
0: That just the, Blazers, they're,
1: they're, the Blazers are currently in the, the play-in tournament picture. By the way, they've kind of picked it up a little bit. Makes yeah. sense with C.J. McCollum back, you know, Nurk, Anthony Simons. They're hanging around, even though Damian Lillard's probably not going to come back unless they're in the playoff picture, as he said in his own words. Um, but yeah, there's this, the separation, the differences are crazy. Absolutely crazy.
0: Well, the Lakers are getting a D back tonight and we'll see how big of a difference that makes for them because you mean, you always want to have your star players back. Defensively,
1: it should make a difference.
0: Well, yeah, it should. And the other thing it, it hopefully does for them is it gets the rotations a little bit more, right? Because you know, that coaching staff has said, that when AD comes back, he's going to play uh, center and LeBron's going to be the backup center. So looks like you're not going to get much Dwight Howard. I don't think you're going to get any DeAndre Jordan. And we'll see what this does rotation-wise for this team because they've had to play so many different guys in so many different ways. And I think, you know, when everybody goes after Vogel um, or anybody that does, because there's a lot of people that have come to his defense over the rumors of his demise out there, the big thing that I think people can hit on Vogel about is who he's playing and his rotations and the game against the heat that they lost recently was a prime example of this because there was a point in that game where I believe the Lakers were down by almost 30. And then late in that game, they got it to within four. I believe they ended up losing by six they started playing a small ball lineup and switching on everything, and that was something they weren't doing earlier on in the game. And people were questioning so many things like, why is Austin Reeves getting more minutes? And why are you playing Wayne Ellington as much as you have? Um, why is Trevor Ariza still starting when he probably shouldn't be playing at all? So we'll see what this does when it comes to the Lakers' rotations and uh, what their lineups could look like. Because I'm I'm really curious about that and what they're going to lean into once they get AD back. And we'll see how long it takes him to get back to 100% because you expect his cardio to be off. And, you know, how much is he going to trust that knee? Just a week ago, he was wearing a, a big bulky brace on his knee, but he's taking it off. And we've seen him, you know, before games and scrimmages and, and workouts. So he's he's got the brace off. So we'll see how quickly he can get back up to form. And remember, while AD was still putting up like, 22 and 10 or something early on in the season, he was not shooting that great. I mean, his mid range game physically, all-
1: he didn't look right either. He was yeah.
0: like,
1: it wasn't like lollygagging, but you could just tell like he didn't have the same pop.
0: He's getting used to the extra 10 to 15 pounds of muscle he put on in the off season. So he could take a beating as a center and like his mid range game was, was struggling from three point range. I think he was shooting like 18%. So, um, that needs to be improved on to say the least, um but um I mean that that that's a big boost for the Lakers, and you know they're you know on the third game of a six game road trip, you know this is a tougher part of their schedule. The beginning of the season was not a difficult part of their schedule, but now they've got LeBron clicking on offense, and he says he's one of the best offensive grooves of his career, and then you bring back an Anthony Davis that you know the excuses um. Are not going to be as plentiful for the Lakers um, if those guys can stay healthy, and you know they still need more depth, and they need other guys to pick it up. But um, we'll see what they can do with their two main guys healthy on the court.
1: Sure, lightning round, Brian, lightning round. Yeah, it actually has to do with your Lakers too, and we kind of discussed this on the last podcast, so maybe a little bit of a, a, a pat on the back here, but. Regarding one Russell Westbrook, Mark Stein reported last week that although it might not be likely, it isn't impossible that the Lakers and Rockets could do a Russell Westbrook for John Wall
0: swap. How about that? That's incredible. But there's a couple of hurdles here that I don't think they can just simply overcome. And to me, they are number one, the Lakers admitting they made a mistake and swallowing their pride in, in doing a deal like this. And two, giving up an asset that the Rockets would want to do this swap. And that very likely being the Lakers' 2027 first round pick. If the Lakers move that pick, to me, that's crazy because that's. It's one of the very few assets that they have right now. Who knows what that team is going to look like then because they're not going to have LeBron. They're not going to have Anthony Davis, most likely. Um, so to me, like you better be getting like a really huge piece uh, that's going to help you. You know is definitely going to help you win now to give up that pick, and that deal does not do it. Now, could that deal get expanded? to where like a Taylor Horton Tucker is included or, you know, and or a Kendrick Nunn and the Lakers also get back an Eric Gordon. Well, you know, the weirder things have happened, but once again, would they have to include that pick? And I, I can't see them moving that pick. I mean, even for some of the other rumored deals that have been out there for the Lakers, I have a hard time seeing them move that pick.
1: I just thought it was interesting because we it, talked about it. It
0: is. It is. I mean, who <laughs> who can you imagine, like we said last week, Russ and John Wall being traded for each other twice. Again. Twice. And the thing Again. is too, like there's all the rumors like, you know, John Wall averaged 20 points last year and people were like, oh, he's working out in Miami and John looks good. He, he was looking as good as he has in, you know, years and stuff like that. But you never know until a guy actually gets out there on the court. And plus, you know, John is more of a tra- traditional point guard, which is something I think the Lakers could obviously use, but he's not the best shooter from range, and that's definitely something they could use.
1: Yes, I agree. Definitely something. <laughs> a shot in the arm, if you will. do partly do not want to move Tyrese Halliburton, but the Sixers are apparently interested also, seen rumblings about Sacramento being willing to take back Tobias Harris in any Ben Simmons deal. Also, heard about Ben Simmons possibly being included in a James Harden trade in the offseason. These are interesting rumblings, to say there's, the
0: least. There's so much Harden stuff that's going around now where originally the way that I kind of looked at it was this whole thing about him going to the Sixers. It felt like just a lot of noise because the Sixers are trying to, you know, get as much value for a Ben Simmons as they can. And it would be so difficult for them to get James Harden in free agency this off season. Cause I mean, Harden can be a free agent, but the Sixers are so far over the cap. Like they would have to clear like $60 million worth of contracts just to get under you know, the cap to sign Harden and free agency, which means you would have to do a sign and trade. And, you know, if you're the Nets, why would you do that? Why would you make a big deal with another team? that's not only in your conference, but in your division. But then, you know, this report comes out from Jake Fisher of the Bleacher Report talking about like, well, maybe James is a little bit interested there. And maybe the Nets would want to do it because it'd be better than getting nothing you know, for Harden, if he becomes a free agent. So I still think there's a lot of smoke, you know, when it comes to all of that. I, I think some of this is the Sixers are putting this out there like, oh, we'll wait till the off season and, and get a James Harden in that they are trying to up the value of Ben Simmons for a deal. Now, I still wonder if that's where we're at. And then hoping that teams will say, okay, we'll really give you our best in final now. And for the Kings, I wouldn't be including Tyrese Halliburton.
1: I would say so. I think we can wrap it up there. Maybe we'll get a little bit more clarity on the trade situation and stuff by next week. We'll see. Maybe a deal will be done at some point. We're getting close. We're getting the close. Way,
0: everybody, uh, check out basketballnews.com, especially leading up to the trade deadline, not only for the coverage, but... I know the schedule isn't out there, but I know for a fact there will be some live broadcasts leading up to and on NBA trade deadline day.
1: Oh, goody. I'm going to get lots of sleep.
0: (laughs) How do I know that? Because I asked the staff about it and said, do you guys need me to help with some things? And they said, yes.
1: Yes. Yes. But I didn't
0: ask you. I asked other people.
1: Uh, It's all right. I knew there was going to be one coming. One, at least one, probably multiple. There's going to be one. I do know that we are going to be doing one on Thursday night, actually, on the night of All-Star Starter Reveal. Oh, So uh, definitely tune into that on all of our social media platforms that will be live streaming. Hopefully, I will not be buried under two feet of snow because, again, Northeast Ohio got pelted. Absolutely pelted on Sunday. And again, on uh, I would say early Tuesday morning, being 3 a.m. or so. But I'm buried again, Brian. I'm buried again. Dang this northeast Ohio garbage, man. I love it. I love it here. Cleveland is my city. There's a reason it's hosting the All Star game. It's gonna be a great time. But hopefully, all this snow just clears out. I the mean, forecast can- does say. The forecast does say next week that it's gonna rain. It's gonna be 45 and rainy. So maybe that can get rid of some of the snow, but I don't think all of this snow is going to go away because it's literally probably if I was to go outside, it's probably up to my hips.
0: I mean, we got hit with snow here this past weekend. I got two to three inches outside. It was crazy.
1: Oh, two to three inches. Oh my.
0: <laughs> I think it's the most snow I've seen since I moved here three. What was it? Four years ago when I moved up here.
1: That's funny. That's funny. All right, folks, that's Keep It at 94, complaining about weather and also talking about basketball. We are part of the Basketballnews.com podcast network. Other great ones for you to listen to: The Dunker Spot with Nikias Duncan and Steve Jones Jr., the Alex Kennedy podcast with Alex Kennedy, The Rematch with Atan Thomas, Nothing But Bets, a daily gambling podcast hosted by Evan Sidery. And of course, dishes and dimes with the ladies. You have us here at Keep It at 94. You can find us on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever you listen to music and podcasts. Make sure you give us a rating, subscribe, review, leave a comment. Do the same for all of our other podcasts. Let's blow this podcast network up, baby. And of course, do not forget about our friends over at Ticket Smarter looking to go to the hottest concert sports. Theater and family shows near you get 100% guaranteed tickets to more than 125,000 live events from Tickets Murder, the official ticket marketplace of basketballnews.com. Order online now. You can find me on Twitter at Spin Davies. I'm also on Instagram at Spin Davies. You can find him on Twitter at Brian Fritz. You can find him on Instagram at It's Brian Fritz. Toodaloo. We will see you again next week when the Super Bowl is set.